The man and martyr that the Lord placed on my heart to present shared a very strong commonality with our Lord Jesus Christ. This man was born in Australia in 1941. And no, that's not the commonality. As an adult, he decided to visit India for the first time in 1965 by joining an evangelical missionary society in order to work in the remote tribal area of what is known as Odisha State, which had a long history of active Christian missionary work. He took over management of the society in 1983 after he helped establish a leprosy home as a registered society a year earlier. He met his wife in 1981 while they worked together taking care of leprosy patients on the mission field. Hopefully you see a little bit of similarity there with Christ. They served together until his death. During their married life, they had three children, one girl and two boys, which will be important to keep in mind as I continue telling his story, his story with a small age. You can see him, his wife, and children in figure one on the handout that I provided. While he served the Society of Lepers, the least of these, he also helped translate part of the Holy Christian Bible into the language of the Ho people of India, which included uh, him cross-checking the work with the entire manuscript of the New Testament, though it is largely believed that his main focus was on the ministry to the lepers. It is reported that he could speak the Odia language fluently and was popular among the patients with whom he had managed to cure, though his method was not divine like our Lord Jesus Christ. He began outreach in villages with the messages of the cross, lifting up Jesus among the tribal people of that area. I have not been able to find any more information on his upbringing, any clear biblical beliefs, doctrines for which I apologize. This missionary man was suspected of converting tribal people, mostly those he helped to Christianity under the guise of treating them. Orissa, another name that's been used for that state, is probably the most devout Hindu state in India, and this may be partly the reason to explain the extreme poverty of that state and why the Indian people were incited by the false perception that people were being coerced or lured to change their religion. Reportedly, the murders were led by a political activist by the name of Dara Singh, whom you can see in figure three, uh, to the right of the martyr and his sons, who belonged to a radical Hindu activist group, the Bajrang Dal, which is opposed to religious conversions of Hindus to Christianity or Islam. They fear that such conversions would change the political structure of India. This radical group was responsible for encouraging persecution of Christians in India by rhetorically blaming Christians for India's social and economic uh, turmoil. Repeatedly, they had called for the expulsion of Christian missionaries from India. On the night of January 22, 1999, only 20 years ago, this 58-year-old man had attended a jungle camp in Manorapur, which uh, was an annual gathering for Christians in the area to congregate for a conference and discuss their beliefs in a social setting. He had parked his Jeep station wagon in front of a Christian church in the tiny town where he had planned to attend a festival the, the following morning. He and his sons were sleeping in the vehicle when about 50 to 100 people from the surrounding area formed a mob and were armed with axes, machetes, and clubs. They surrounded the vehicle, poured gasoline on it, and set it ablaze. They prevented him and his sons, 10-year-old Philip and 7-year-old Timothy, from escaping. They were burned alive. I have no further details on this night or the murder. But I did want to burn this image into your memory to help us bring us a little more closely to the harsh reality that Christians have faced and that we might face in the future.
The commission at the time reported that this Australian missionary had been murdered for conducting jungle camps and preaching Christianity to uh, converted tribals. The report had defined jungle camps as a congregation of Christians of a locality and some invitees. The purpose of the camp was said to be an interaction among Christians and for spiritual renewal. A jungle camp meant four days of Bible teaching, prayer, and fellowship. Although some tribals had been baptized at the camps, the commission found no evidence of forced conversions. Investigators found that this missionary himself had not been involved in a single conversion. The president of India at the time spoke for everyone when he described the murder as a monumental aberration of time-tested tolerance and harmony. These killings belong to the world's inventory of black deeds. Yes, Mr. President, have no fear, for these deeds will surely be brought to light in a very near future day. The martyr's wife sang the song Because He Lives at the funeral of her husband and two sons. She described him as a loving and faithful husband and a father who was never too busy for his family. She announced her forgiveness of those who had murdered her family, stating, the perpetrators of this crime should be forgiven as it was the Almighty who had drawn the lifespan of her husband. God gives children, he gives them life. He gives and he takes. I'm grateful to God for giving him this long a life to serve people. Because of these events, Christ had been proclaimed from the front pages of the newspapers in India. In the face of persecutions, many came to Jesus from families that had rejected the gospel for years. She also stated before the appointed commission, the Lord God is always with me to guide me and help me try to accomplish the work of my husband. But I sometimes wonder why he was killed and what also made his assassins behave in such a brutal manner that night. It is far from my mind to punish these persons who are responsible for the death of my husband and my two children, but it is my desire and hope that they would repent and be reformed. Gladys Staines, his wife, continued to live and work in India caring for those who were poor and were affected by leprosy until she returned home to her native country of Australia in 2004. Indian Christians have refused to identify themselves to the government for many reasons because conversions to Christianity changes their political and social status, depriving them of government programs designed to lift up the poor. Christians ha Christianity has a strong appeal to the very poor masses of India because it offers them hope and teaches them that they have the ability to rise above their conditions through hard work and helping each other. Now the Christian community in India has been brought together by the tragic death of Stephen Graham Staines and his sons. Many marches and speeches have been organized in support of freedom of religion. Both secularists and Hindu rationalists are crying out against the intolerance of the radical movement. The actions of the radicals has increased the awareness of Christianity among the people, and more are looking to see what it is to make a man expose himself and his family to danger, and what would lead someone to publicly announce forgiveness of people who had burned her family alive. In the culture where people are used to selfishness, the light of forgiveness and care is shining brightly. The burning shame of religious intolerance and the political fascism is being overcome by the love of Christ. I'll close with Gladys Stain's words, let us burn hatred and spread the flame of Christ's love. And if you wanna see a movie on this, there is a movie that just came out in 2019 called The Least of These, The Graham Stain Story. Amen. Thank you, brother. Country that's working so hard to come from a third world status to a first world status that has such ignorance and such violence still part of them. 
He followed anything in the, wor in the world's po political uh, notices. It is a Hindu, a strong Hindu nationalist who is the one who is currently their president and who uh, took his reelection as a mandate. So, as our brother indicated, we live on an island of safety that this world does not know. What we take for granted every day, even in this enlightened time, is still an anomaly. It's something strange and different from what our brethren have known throughout the history of this world. We ought to be thankful for it. We ought to be praying for them. And we ought to be living by the axioms that we're being taught now. We ought to make sure that that's the center of our life. It's the least we can do to give back to the Lord for all the kindness and goodness that he's shown to us.